How many has ever watched Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? Frosty the Snowman? The Christmas Story? How many has watched it more than once? See? I'm not by myself. Well, I'm going to preach the same sermon I preached last year. <laughs> At least a version of it. But a lot of the same thing. Several weeks ago, I felt very strongly about this message from this sermon. I've preached this sermon several times, as a matter of fact, over many, many years. But the message this year is probably more pertinent than ever before. And so if you will just stay with me for a few minutes this morning, I want to talk about Jesus is still the answer. Hard to believe that it's only five days till Christmas. I remember several months ago we were walking the dogs, and I looked at Ruthie and I said, you know what, I'm just ready for Christmas to be here. Never was a big Christmas person, didn't really like Christmas music. Um, not so much a Grinch, just wasn't all that thrilled about Christmas, the, the event. But I just felt like I wanted Christmas to be here, maybe because this is 2020. But Christmas Day is five days away, the day we celebrate the birth of Christ, the Messiah, or the Anointed One. This is the Messiah, as Pastor Greg preached last Sunday, that the prophet Isaiah wrote about in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. It's the Messiah that the people of that day said they were looking for. And yet when he came, they didn't recognize him. They didn't accept him for who he was. And today there are still a lot of people who don't recognize him or accept him for who he truly is. They seem to love Christmas. Not so much the Christ in the Christmas that they celebrate. Well, Pastor David, that's not me. I know all about Christmas. I love Christmas. And you know what? Maybe that's so. Maybe that's the truth. After all, we know that just as Isaiah had prophesied, that indeed there was a baby that came to earth. We know that he was born to a young girl, a virgin named Mary. We know through Scripture and even historically to a point that even though he was a king, Jesus was born in very meager surroundings, in a place that was set aside for farm animals because there were no rooms available to Mary and Joseph in Bethlehem. We know about the angels singing that we read about in Luke chapter 2. They said, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. We know about the shepherds who were in the area who saw the angels and as a result went to see the baby Jesus lying in a manger. We know about the star that appeared and eventually led the wise men to see the baby Jesus. He was about, probably about a year old or so when that happened. You see, we know a lot about the events surrounding Jesus' birth. We know the facts. But what does the miraculous birth of Jesus mean to us personally? Hundreds of years after Isaiah prophesied about Jesus, that prophecy was fulfilled. Matthew wrote in Matthew 1.23 that an angel appeared to a man named Joseph and told him that his fiancée, the young virgin girl named Mary, was going to have a baby. 
and that that baby would be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And since he is still God with us, because of his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, we have a hope of eternal life that goes on beyond this life. Because he is God with us, we have a hope of one who can set us free from the penalty of death that sin brings to every one of us. Because he is God with us, we know that he relieves the burdens of a troubled heart and he fixes broken hearts and lives. In fact, the only true happiness and joy is found in the presence of the one who was and still is God with us. His presence comes to us through the Holy Spirit, just as it did to Mary. You see, his presence isn't here just because it's Christmas. The Holy Spirit is not present just because we have set aside a day to celebrate the birth of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is not here because we have parties, because we give presents, have Christmas plays, special Christmas music, or even a special Christmas sermon. But the Holy Spirit is here today and every day of the year because of the promises that are found in the Word of God. The Holy Spirit is here today for a definitive purpose, to give us peace and comfort in a troubled world, to fix broken hearts and broken lives and restore us to a relationship that we should have with God. With that being said, I want to change direction for a couple minutes and make reference to a book that was written back in 1957, before I was even born, and was written, that's the truth, and was written by, as many of you know, one of my favorite authors. In my opinion, this might be one of the greatest books in modern literature. After it became a popular book, it was made into a television special. It was eventually made into a movie and later even a musical, all of which, along with the book, have proven to be classics. The book is titled, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, and is written by Dr. Seuss. I want to read a few lines from the book, and I realize this is a fictional story, but as I often say, I say, stay with me because we're going somewhere. Every who down in Whoville liked Christmas a lot. But the Grinch, who lived just north of Whoville, did not. The Grinch hated Christmas the whole Christmas season. Now, please don't ask why. No one quite knows the reason. It could be that his head wasn't screwed on quite right. It could be, perhaps, that his shoes were too tight. But I think that the most likely reason of all may have been that his heart was two sizes too small. The book indicates that the reason for the Grinch's anger and sadness ranged somewhere between his head not being screwed on just right, his shoes being too tight, or maybe his heart being two sizes too small. Although the book doesn't elaborate beyond those suppositions, in the movie we see that the Grinch is depicted as someone who hated Christmas because of the bad memories that it brought to him from his childhood. 
Whenever the Grinch would hear the songs that the people of the village would sing every year, he would try to drown out the sound because every time he heard the sounds of the music of Christmas, it reminded him of his past, his loneliness, his hurts, his shortcomings and the weaknesses and imperfections in his life. Let's continue. But whatever the reason, his heart or his shoes, he stood there on Christmas Eve hating the Who's, staring down from his cave with a sour, grinchy frown at the warm-lighted windows below in their town. For he knew every Who down in Whoville beneath was busy now hanging a mistletoe wreath. And they're hanging their stockings, he, he snarled with a sneer. Tomorrow is Christmas, it's practically here. Then he growled with his Grinch fingers, nervous, nervously drumming, I must find a way to keep Christmas from coming. For tomorrow he knew all the Who girls and boys would wake up bright and early. They'd rush for their toys. And then, oh, the noise, oh, the noise, 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 noise. That's one thing he hated, the noise, 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 noise. Then the Who's, young and old, would sit down to a feast, and they'd feast, and they'd feast, and they'd feast, 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 feast. They would start on Who pudding and rare Who roast beast which was something the Grinch couldn't stand in the least. And then they'd do something he liked least of all. Every who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, would stand together with Christmas bells ringing. They'd stand hand in hand, and the who's would start singing. They'd sing, and they'd sing, and they'd sing, 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 sing. And the more Grinch thought of the who Christmas sing, the more the Grinch thought, I must stop this whole thing. You might be thinking, well, what does this have to do with the real Christmas story? You know, baby Jesus, angels, shepherds, and all those things. Stay with me. Every Christmas, there are people around the world, maybe you're one of them, who struggle, especially at Christmas time, for a lot of reasons. Maybe you've been in that group for many years, or maybe, just maybe, because of this really weird year we call 2020, you're finding yourself in that group for the very first time. Maybe you're not haunted by these same kinds of things as the antagonists in this fine piece of literature we're reading this morning. Maybe your head is screwed on just fine. Your shoes are just right, and your heart is exactly the right size as it should be. But still, you're feeling the same way as the Grinch. I just want it all to stop. You want it to be December 26th so you can have Christmas behind you or even December 31st so you can have this whole year behind you. Oh, you know the real Christmas story. Mary, Joseph, baby Jesus, angels, shepherds. And you know the real Christmas story is true. And yet, and yet, you find yourself struggling. In fact, right now, you feel like everyone else in the world, except you, is having a great time. Everyone in the world, except you, is loving Christmas. And because of those feelings, well, you might even start to like, dislike all of those people, and along with it, Christmas itself. You might say, oh, well, maybe you're just a little bit right, so why am I feeling this way? 
Let me tell you this. As cliched and unchristmassy as it might sound, it's because the enemy of all Christians, the devil, is really good at what he does. And he does not take off time for Christmas. In fact, Christmas is a great time of year for him to constantly throw things in your face and remind you of things from your past that bring pain and sorrow. What better time of year to remind you of your failures, your hurt, and your loss than at Christmas, a time when we should be celebrating. At Christmas time, the devil will try to get you to look around, and he will try to convince you that everyone in the world is happy except you. Kind of like the Grinch and the people of Whoville. He will try to get you to believe that no one in the world has a past, that no one in the world has hurt, that no one in the world has experienced loss except you. And if he can get you to do that, get you to look away from the real meaning of Christmas, then he has accomplished exactly what he set out to accomplish. The Bible says in Revelation 12.10 that the devil is the accuser of the brethren, and it is his purpose, his mission, to constantly accuse you, bring up your past, remind you of your every failure and every past hurt. That's his job. That's his mission. The devil is really good at beating people over the head with their past failures, shortcomings, and sins. Just like the Grinch was beaten up concerning the things of his past when he heard the Christmas music. The Grinch retaliated by hating Christmas, and he retaliated by hating anything to do with Christmas because he was trying to drown out the pain of his past hurts. And there are probably some folks here today or some folks who are watching or listening online who are really not all that different than the Grinch. And as a result, many of you find yourself doing the same things that he did in this fictional story. You try to drown out the voices of the past, those things that hurt you, and cause you pain. Sometimes in an attempt to ignore the pain of our past or just avoid or run from the things that cause us pain, we do a lot of different things so we don't have to deal with them. We avoid thing, anything that has to do with Christmas because we, we don't hate baby Jesus or grown-up baby Jesus. It's not even because we hate people. We don't hate Christmas decorations or Christmas songs, but instead, it's because we are hurting. Some people try to drown out that pain through alcohol, drugs, many other distractions. There are those who try to drown it out, especially this type, time of year, through compulsive shopping, buying things they don't need, buying things that nobody needs, in an attempt to feel better just for a few minutes, and then buyer's remorse sets in. And then they're right back where they were, realizing that that, that high, that, that boost in, in feelings was only temporary. Let me say this, and please listen to me. You cannot drown out your pain with any of these things. 
All of those things at best numb the pain for a little while, but it always comes back, sometimes with even more regret, because whatever it was that we did trying to get rid of the pain often causes even more regret and even more pain. I will tell you today that the only way to drown out your pain is to be healed of it. And the only way that you can be healed of it is by the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, come unto me all that ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. He also said in John 8, 36, if the Son sets you free, you will be free. That being said, since I've already asked the question, what does the miraculous birth of Christ mean to us personally? Let's look a little bit closer at what the answer might be. One of the greatest things about the virgin birth of Christ is that it reveals that it is impossible for man to bring about salvation on their own. It took a supernatural intervention. It took God doing what we could not do, coming to earth in the form of a man and dying for us, for us to be saved. Some people have asked the question, well, why wasn't Jesus just born of two normal human parents? Simply put, it's because man can't, mankind cannot save himself. A baby born of a human mother and father would be just an ordinary human. The Bible says in Romans 3.23 that all men have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So if he'd had a human mother and a human father, he would have been a sinner. And as a sinner, he could not have died for our sins. He had to be that perfect sacrifice. There has never been another human, an ordinary human on earth, who has ever lived that could die for someone else's sin. But God, as John 3.16 tells us, loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. God himself with his father and Mary, this young virgin girl, was Jesus' mother. And the virgin birth was God's way of showing us that he alone is the source and the author of our salvation. And there was no other way except through him. Salvation began with God, and it only comes from God. Jesus' miraculous birth is a picture of how incapable we are of receiving anything we need from God through our own power. The peace that we say we're looking for, especially at Christmas, is only found through his miraculous and amazing grace. That's the only place that real peace is found. If we attempt to walk through life thinking we can get what God wants for us to have through our own efforts, through our own work, through our own energy and abilities, then we are sadly mistaken. You will never be enough on your own. You can never do enough on your own. You can never be good enough. You can never give enough on your own to be saved. It is only through grace that we are saved. You see, we need to remember this, especially this time of year. 
We didn't find God. He found us. He wasn't lost. We were. You didn't seek God. He sought you. Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save what was lost. 1 John 4, verses 9 and 10 says, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And then there's that scripture that Pastor Greg led, read last week, Isaiah 9, 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Back to our story. As the story goes, the Grinch did everything that he could do in order to destroy Christmas in Whoville. We're not going to read in detail all the things he took from the people of Whoville. But the story says that among other things, he stole all the presents, he stole the trees, the Christmas food, he even stole the log out of the fireplace. And he took them, and I quote, 3,000 feet up, up the side of Mount Crumpet, he rode to the tip top to dump it. You see, through his actions, the Grinch felt that this would destroy Christmas. If I take all the stuff, surely that will destroy Christmas. But look what happened on Christmas morning. Then all the Who's down in Whoville will all cry boo-hoo. That's a noise, Grinch, grinned the Grinch, grinned the Grinch, that I simply must hear. So he paused, and the Grinch put a hand to his ear. And he did hear a sound rising over the snow. It started low, then it started to grow. But the sound wasn't sad. Why, this sound sounded merry. It couldn't be so, but it was merry, very. He stared down at Whoville. The Grinch popped his eyes, then he shook. What he saw was a shocking surprise. Every Who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, was singing without any presence at all. He hadn't stopped Christmas from coming, it came. Somehow or another, it came just the same. And the Grinch, with his Grinch feet ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling, how could it be so? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. And he puzzled three hours till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. And what happened then? Well, in Whoville, they say, that the Grinch's small heart grew three sizes that day. For many folks, Christmas is promoted as, as a time of joy and happiness and celebrating. No spiritual meaning, just a lot of celebrating. 
Celebrating what? The reality that is, is that in spite of the gifts, the giving and receiving, in spite of all the parties and celebrating, this time of year for many is a time of sadness and discouragement, depression and despair because of broken lives, broken relationships, broken dreams, and broken hopes. I believe that it is in the middle of that we need to see, as the Grinch saw, maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. Truthfully, it should, in fact, mean a lot more to us as believers. It should mean a lot more to us who are saved by grace. While all the activities surrounding this time of year can bring smiles to our faces, there are a lot of hearts behind those smiles that are hurting. Hurting because they are celebrating a season where we send out cards that talk about peace on earth, but truthfully, they don't have real peace. Because real peace only comes from having Jesus living in your heart. Anything other than that is temporary at best. Going back to the question I asked at the beginning of this sermon, what does the miraculous birth of Jesus mean to us personally? It means that the miracle that began with Mary still lives today. We all love the baby Jesus. But Jesus didn't stay a baby. He grew up and eventually gave his life willingly in our place to pay for our sins. And today, because of that, we can re receive salvation. And because of that, we can be healed physically and emotionally. And because of that, we can become whole all through Christ and what he has done. It means that he is able to cause us to recover all that we have lost. He can heal our broken hearts and our broken spirits. He can give us joy and hope again. Only he can cause us to stand secure in him so that we do not continue on in failure or fall back into the failures of our past. Only Christ can cause our lives to become all that he intended for it to be. You see, when Christ comes into your heart, maybe your heart won't grow three sizes that day as the Grinches did. But I can assure you that God can and will change your heart. He can and will take a broken heart and put it back together and give you a reason to love again. He can take a heart that is filled with a lifetime of hurt and fill it with joy. He will take a heart that is full of hatred and guilt and replace it with love and peace. He will take a heart that is filled with confusion and anxiety and give you understanding and contentment that you cannot even begin to imagine. Watch this. 
In Luke chapter 1, we read that an angel came to this young virgin girl named Mary, and he told her that she was going to give birth to a son, and she was going to give him the name Jesus. Mary's response under the circumstances is one that we might expect. She said, how will this be? I understand what you're saying, but how will this be? And yet we know that she did indeed give birth to a son. And his name was Jesus. And this is the miraculous event that we are celebrating in just a few days. This miraculous virgin birth needs to be a reminder to us all year long that God can and will accomplish everything he sets out to accomplish. That means no matter how impossible finding hope and peace might seem to you today, it is not impossible. And no matter what may be in your past, it is just that. It is your past. No matter what the devil might try to tell you, not everyone else's life is perfect. And most everybody else is struggling with something right now as well. We might not all have the same struggles, but most everyone struggles with something. Don't listen to the devil's lies. Stop spending so much time on Facebook because everybody only puts the good stuff on Facebook. And if you pay attention to that, you'll think everybody else's life is wonderful and mine is horrible. It's just not the case. Whatever might be in your heart that would stop you from accepting Christ as your Savior and making him the Lord of your life, would you let go of it today? Would you ask God to forgive you of all your sins, whatever they might be, and then start walking in a new direction as the Holy Spirit leads you? Maybe now, kind of like the Grinch hearing the people of Whoville sing Christmas songs, maybe now when you hear people sing, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound Saved a Wretch Like Me. Or you hear people testify as how God changed their life. Or you hear people talking about peace at Christmas time. Maybe those things irritate you because you haven't experienced grace. You haven't experienced a change in your life. You haven't felt peace in a long time. And quite honestly, you just don't see how it's possible. You might be thinking right now, well, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know the hurt, the anger, the brokenness. I'm not a Grinch. I've just been hurt too much. I'll never be the same. You may feel that way. And although you have heard all the reasons why, it doesn't have to be that way. Because it all seems so impossible. You are asking, as Mary did, how will this be? Pastor, how can you do that? How can you say that? How can that happen? How will this be? Let me assure you that the answer to your situation is the same today as it was with Mary. Look what the angel said to Mary in Luke 137. Nothing is impossible with God. And that statement is still true. So what does Christmas mean to us today? 
Take away all the presents, the trees, the Christmas food, maybe even the log in the fireplace. And the answer doesn't change. The answer to Mary's dilemma was Jesus. The people in Jesus' day had been looking for a Messiah, the answer to their problems for thousands of years. And whether they accepted him or not, the answer to what they were looking for was still Jesus. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you are in your life right now. The answer is still the same. You won't find the answer to what you're looking for in a bottle, a pill, a snort, or a shot. While there is certainly nothing wrong with gifts and trees and bright lights and celebrations around Christmas time, the answer cannot be found in any of those things either. Because the answer has always been Jesus. And he is still the answer today.